Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Read More Podcast, the show that brings readers and writers together. I'm your host, Marva Hinton. Today, I'm on the phone with Natalia Sylvester. Her new YA novel, Running, was just published last week. First of all, Natalia, congratulations on the new book. I've already been telling people about it, and thanks for coming on the show again. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure, and thank you so much. I'm glad to be back. Well, how are you doing? I mean, I know this is kind of an interesting time because it's on one hand, it's exciting to have your new book out, but then on the other hand, it's kind of a scary time with the Mm -hmm. coronavirus spreading across the country and being really bad here where I am in Florida and where you are also in Texas. Yeah. Yeah, it's, oh my gosh, it's, that's a, it's, it's complicated, you know, and I think, I often say that, um, I answer the question of how I'm doing differently, just depending on what day you catch me on, um, because it varies so much, and as I'm sure it does for a lot of us. But right now, I'm actually, um, I've had a really wonderful week. You know, this was the week that Reading came out. Uh, Reading came out Tuesday, July 14th, and then the next day, the 15th, was my birthday. And I, you know, ahead Happy of Happy birthday. That, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, but, you know, I just, I remember even leading up to the launch, I kind of just wanted to make a conscious decision of really, like, letting myself be in the moment of these days and be in the joy of them, um, even though they're not under, uh, you know, these ideal, far from ideal circumstances, even though there are a lot of things still occupying my mind, um, a lot of worries, even, you know, related to... um, to the pandemic, related to what's going on in the world, related to um, the amount of work we still have to do to create real change in our country. Um, And I'm trying to hold space for all of that while also really um, letting myself be present in these days. And I've been really grateful that there have been a lot of people who have been celebrating with me and, um, you know, just bringing me a lot of joy, and I think that's important for all of us to allow ourselves to feel joy, you know. Uh, So right now I'm feeling good, and um, I know that, like I said, that it it still vary, and I I do think, like I was talking to a friend of mine recently how I feel like a lot of times my emotions feel very cyclical because even getting through days that are good can take a lot of emotional work. It's a lot of compartmentalizing. So just that um, mindfulness of saying, hey, I'm going to be in this moment and I'm going to allow myself, um, you know, to feel good and go about my day and appreciate and be grateful for of things that we do have. Um, even that is still work. It's, it's work in, in the sense that you're telling yourself, no, I'm not going to um, let myself dwell too much on the things that, that, I, that I'm scared of and that I worry for. And, um so I think, and then so there's days when that work catches up to me, and then those are harder days, right? Um, I think like being in this um, pandemic has really, more than anything, spotlighted the importance of mental health for so many of us, and myself included. And so, yeah, that's where that's where I'm at. My very long answer. <laughs> yeah, I think all of us are kind of going through that. It's just. It's a very, just a weird time because you have your life that's going on and you're trying to keep things as normal as they can be, you know, Mm -hmm. normal with the air quotes. And (laughs) But 
all around you, you know, every time you see the news or you, you know, read a report, it's like more people are getting sick and they're all, there's all this conflict over, you know, wearing masks and all these things. It's yeah. just, it's a lot. It is. Yeah, it is a lot. Like I, on Tuesday, I went to sign books at two of the, my local stores that had been taking pre-orders and, um, and that was wonderful, and, but it's also there's better statements to it because the stores are mostly either closed or they're only, like, letting certain customers in. And so, you know, they set you up in a, in a table outside the store, and you wear your mask, and you sign the books, and then they get sent to the people who requested them, um, which is a great thing that – it's great that we're able to do that. But the interaction that I was really hoping for uh, or looking forward to, right, uh, isn't necessarily there. But – on the other hand, um, we've all like managed to do these virtual events where people who we would have never been able to be in the, like to um, to see live or you know to be in conversation with because they're on all different parts of the world. Um, it's created opportunities for us to connect in different ways and, and in ways that are far more accessible. Uh, so I just you know, I'm just trying to like appreciate the things that the new things that we've kind of gleaned from all this. Your new novel, Running, is about a 15-year-old Cuban-American girl named Mari who lives in Miami. Her dad is a senator who's running to be the Republican nominee for president. And for nearly as long as she can remember, she's been surrounded by politics. But she's never had much of a say about that. It's just been, you know, this is her family's life. But during this campaign, she finds her voice after discovering her parents aren't really who she thought they were, and she begins to speak out about the issues that matter to her personally. Your first two novels, Chasing the Sun and Everyone Knows You Go Home, were for adults. What made you want to write for teens this time? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so it's funny because it was really this story. Um, the spark of the story was that I was watching the coverage of the presidential election in 2016, and I saw um, footage of a candidate who was giving a speech, and his daughter was standing in the background. And she was young. She looked to be in her teens, and she just, I, I couldn't stop wondering what she was going through and what it must be like for her to have to, like, just support him constantly and, and so I began writing this story, and um, her voice really was what immediately um, came through on the page. It was told from her point of view. It was entirely about, like, you know, her own journey um, in, in, into figuring out, like, discovering her own beliefs, and then not only discovering those, but the kind of horror of realizing, like, they don't align with your parents, and how do you... Um, how do you vocalize that? How do you challenge it in a way um, when there's so many, there's a very different power dynamic. Um, when there's this feeling of like, you don't talk back to your father. You don't question your parents. You respect them unconditionally, um, which was very much rooted in her family, right? So it became kind of clear from the beginning, like when I sent the pages to my agent, she wrote, she, I think I, wrote, I sent her the first 30 or so pages and she wrote me back saying that she loved it. She loved the story and the concept. And then she said, you know, you're writing YA, right? <laughs> and so it was, it was like a happy accident. Um, it made sense to me when she said that because I, 
you know, as opposed to my adult books, when I'm writing those books, you know, you kind of do picture a certain reader in mind. And, 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 that's, and what, what I mean is that you picture someone who you hope will connect to that story. And um, I realized that when I was writing this one, the person I kept hoping would connect to it, they weren't the adults in the book. They were the people like Maddie. And so it made sense to me that, um, that this book would be YA. And I'd also, you know, I, I read a lot of YA. And the thing about YA is that it's always been something that brings me a lot of hope. And um, I think that I was in a place, because I was writing this from like mid-2016 through the elections, you know, all the way to like 2018, I, I really needed a lot of hope um, through that time. And I, I think I just wrote the book that I kind of needed and a book that I hoped that other young people would too. Well, your book comes out at such an interesting time. I mean, we talked about we're in the middle of a global pandemic, but we're also in the middle of a global movement for human rights. You know, yeah. we've seen over the past few weeks, you know, since the death of George Floyd at the hands of police in Minneapolis, we've seen young people from all over leading demonstrations against police brutality and systemic racism. For you as a writer, does this feel like the perfect time for your novel to be out in the world? I don't know about perfect. It makes me kind of sad that we have circumstances in which um, the injustices in our books can be, can suddenly line up so much with the injustices we all face and that we are faced with in real life. Um, you know, when my last book came out, um, my last adult book, Everyone Knows You Know Home, it dealt a lot with immigration. And so people would say to me like, oh, it's, you know, it's so interesting that it's coming out right now. And I would say, well, this, you know, this anti-immigrant sentiment and policy has certainly been happening for a long time and it's just more visible now. And I think that is, um, this thing, I, I would say the same applies to the moment we're in now. Like, um, you know, the, the systemic racism that Black Lives Matter, that the Black Lives Matter movement is trying to fight against, um, it's nothing new. And it has been going on for such a long time. And we're in a moment where it's hyper visible, thankfully. Um, and so the fact that my book kind of happens to come out now feels, um, I don't know, I don't know. It, it's not necessarily something I feel like I can celebrate because it it makes me sad that our work can somehow be seen, seen so much more relevant only because others are hurting. Um, and so on. But I do on the flip side, you know, what I hope, what I do embrace is the fact that, well, you know, if this somehow, if a book, as books can often do, um, helps somebody, like helps open someone's eyes who previously wasn't and or helps someone not only feel empathy, but actually then do something with that empathy and turn it into action um, and to join these movements and to create that change, then, then I embrace that and I would be happy for that. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Um, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I know that, um, I know on the flip side, I would tell a lot of writers like that our work is important and our work has the power to change minds and hearts. 
Um, but I also don't want to like pretend that my that what I do is the same as what you know the people who have led entire movements have been doing for like you know decades and centuries. So it's different kind of. It's just complete. It's very. I think it's different kinds of work for the same goal. Um, so I mean, I guess I think that we each can find like different roles and purpose. And, and we can each find that we can give differently of ourselves. Um, and that, and like the, the, the things that we can give that are the best of ourselves that are coming from like our full hearts are usually the ones that will have the most impact and that are, and are the actions and um, efforts that will feel most sustainable because, you know, any movement is a very long term movement. Like it, it needs sustainability. It needs to be able to last. And so it needs, us to be able to have the energy to continue going in moments when it's hard. Um, so, you know, I, it's some, you know, I don't know, I, I do, you know, and, and aside from my writing, there are certain things, there are certainly a lot of things that I do try to do um, just to support those causes that I believe in. And um, so I do think that I, I try to do activist work and, in a number of different ways in different times in my life. And um, but yeah, I think that the term is maybe something that others can give you. And I don't know how I feel about um, calling myself that because there's just so many activists out there who've sacrificed so much and done so much and inspired me so much that I, I guess I get timid about it. Well, I can understand that. It feels like a big word. And it's um, when you say that you are, maybe people will look at you differently than if you just say, well, I am a writer and I believe certain things and I mm -hmm. advocate for certain things, but I'm not, I don't know, I'm not leading a movement or is, what's that? Yeah. Is that kind of where yeah, we are? I, think, I guess so. I mean, and I do think that the, the word advocate feels a lot more applicable. Like we can all be advocates in so many different ways, right? Um, but I definitely think of, I don't know actually, uh, because like I was saying is that I think it's one of those things where it's easier to tell someone else the advice, but you wouldn't, it's harder for you to take it um, because there are certainly, there are writers out there who I would call activists because of their work. And I would tell them you need to keep going because your work is making a difference. And, and we need all of it. Like we need inspiration. We need um, work and like we need words and art that will remind us what we're fighting for. Um, the same way we need people who will be out there marching and who will be out there organizing. Uh, so, yeah. There's room for all, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I hope so. I, I believe so. <laughs> Well, your novel is set in Miami, and it really captures a lot of the things that make Miami such a unique city. I mean, there's the blend of cultures, the sounds, the politics. At one point, Mari says, but Cuban white isn't the same as white people white. And this is when she is having a conversation with her younger brother, and she's thinking back to the racism her dad faced during his early campaigns. Mm -hmm. 
this kind of goes on with, you know, what we were talking about as far as being an advocate or an activist. And I was wondering if you feel any responsibility when you're writing, especially for young people, and you're touching on some of these dicey issues involving race and ethnicity, that do you feel like you should make sure that you put these in there, maybe because a young person might not fully even understand that there are white Cubans, or is this really all just part of telling a good story, or is it a bit of both things? I think it's both. I think that, like, for me, I don't consider, like, when I'm writing a story, I don't feel it's good unless I think it's true and honest. And so, like, that that particular passage, for example, um, A, it's told in Maddie's point of view, so it's kind of limited by the things that she knows and realizes. But she is kind of becoming aware of the ways that privilege um, and race, you know, and, cult- and, and ethnicity all kind of um, can intersect. And so that passage, for example, when she says, um, you know, Cuban white isn't the same as white people white, and she does talk a little bit about the prejudice that her father has faced, um, you know, as a white Latino. And, um, and like when people say things to him like, oh, I didn't even think of you as like Hispanic, you know, <laughs> which is, I mean, I say that in quotes, but um, at the same time, it goes a little further then talk a bit to talk about how her mom would tell her, um, you know, that nobody should be made to feel ashamed for their ethnicity and or race or, um, or background. And yet she, and then Maddie also notices that the way that um, even within her own family, because her own family has different skin tones and, you know, different colored skin, um, she notices the ways that it seems like there's like an unspoken preferences preference for lighter colored skin. Um, and so I, I think I was just trying to me, I just felt like that scene was important to show that like, yeah, of course there are different levels of um, privilege and um, racism that exist, um, you know, towards a marginalized community, but even within our community, we can still um, hold harmful, um, you know, um, ideas. And, you know, for her family to say, you know, we've experienced discrimination, but then unknowingly and subconsciously hold um, anti-Black views um, within their own family, which is something that the Latinx community needs to um, really account for and, and interrogate and dismantle like within our own communities. Um, and so I just, it was, a, it was a passage that I was, I was hoping to get at the complexities in that. And, and, and it's so important to me to not ignore them. You know, like we can't say that we're, um, that we care about representation in books if the only things we're going to represent are the wonderful parts of our community and then ignore the things that we need to also like look at and say, hey, actually this is wrong and we need to work on interrogating it and dismantling it. You sprinkle a lot of Spanish in the novel, which really gives it the flavor of South Florida. And also for me, I felt like it helped me to see inside the Ruiz family dynamics a little bit more. Just yesterday, though, I was on Twitter and I saw a couple of writers who were talking 
and they were saying that they had been told that their work was too Latino and it had hurt them in their careers. And it made me wonder if you had ever experienced anything like that. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Um, you know, I'm not surprised uh, to hear of that conversation because it's, it's, you know, it's it's been happening for so long and it continues to happen. And um, it's something that happened to me, so, like, even just from the beginnings of my career when I was trying to publish my books for adults. Um, it was like a little, it was, it's, it goes either one of both ways. It's either not Latinx enough because, because of the fact that since publishing is a, a really mostly white industry, they, ha- they, they can often have this very stereotypical idea of what like authentic Latinx is, looks like. And so if, if you're writing something that doesn't fit in there, um, the comments that I've received in the past is like, oh, this doesn't feel very authentic. And so that's like code for like not Latinx enough, right? But then on the other hand, like my first novel, for example, was set entirely in Peru and was, you know, in future entirely Peruvian characters. And when I was shopping it, like when my agent was shopping it around to publishers, um, a lot of publishers said that they really wished that it was either set partially in the U.S. or that it featured American characters. And, and so, again, it's like code for, oh, it's too Latinx and we need white people in here. And so I don't like to write solely in response to like racism and bigotry and um, you know inequality and oppression because I think that we also deserve to be able to just write for ourselves and for our own community and um, without always having to center oppression. Um, but I will say it kind of having gone through this experience of always being told either your work is Latinx enough or it's not or blah 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 like I I think I've reached a point where I was like you know what I'm going to write this for my community and in whatever way that looks and if somebody wants it great and if they don't then I'm going to fight for it and and I think the more of us like the more of us who are doing that is what really helps um you know the next group of writers who are on submission now and who might be on submission later and you know, we, we have to, like, gather, like, strength from that and, and, and try to dismantle these, um, these um, I don't know, the, the, that whole, like, idea of it um, just kind of chip, it, chip away at it one story at a time, you know? Well, Natalia, let's talk a little bit now about what you like to read and the writers you really enjoy. So today it just seems like we're all jumping on a video call for everything to, you know, meet up with friends, to do our work. Um, If you could hop on an hour-long Zoom call right now with five other writers, who would you choose and why? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Let's see. So... I think it's, it would be like a mixture of, of authors of books that I read and loved and then authors of books whose books I'm really excited for. So, um, for example, there's a book um, called Fiebre Tropical by Juliana Delgado Lopera. And um, she's from Miami, actually. <laughs> um, the author's from Miami. And um, 
it's just like this book is so wonderful and um i like the the depiction of miami the depiction of these characters feels so familiar and and yet i don't feel like i've ever seen them on the page represented so um so vividly and so i would love to like just talk to Brianna and um learn about just her process and her work um I'm really excited to read Song Below Water by Bethany C. Morrow. It's actually next on my list. It's on my nightstand literally right now. And, um, you know, Bethany and I were supposed to do an event a couple of years ago, or maybe like, maybe like seven or eight months ago, we were going to do a panel together. And then um, first, you know, for um, due to, I guess, some circumstances, it, the panel didn't work out the way we planned, but I still would love to talk there. Um, there's, um, a book coming out called The Total Eclipse of Nestor Lopez by Adriana Cuevas. And um, that's another person I would love to just, you know, uh, speak to because this book deals a lot with um, the pain of moving around a lot. And it's, it's uh, I think it's YA, but it's also about like a boy who's like moved around a lot. He's Cuban American and, um, he can talk to animals. <laughs> so I just love this combination of the magical with the, this very real um, struggle of, of, of like migration that I can so, that I can relate to so much. And so I'd love to know like what was that like um, and what were the experiences that shaped that. Uh, and let's see, you said five writers, right? <laughs> yes, I think you've given me three. Okay, three. Let's see. Oh, I recently finished reading um, Yes, No, Maybe So by Becky Albertalli and Aisha Saeed. And it was it's another um, election-related novel, and I loved it so much. And um, I really loved how they focused on, like, a local election in, um, in Georgia. But I'm also really fascinated by the fact that they co-wrote this book. And uh, so I would love to talk to them about, like, what was it like to co-write a book? Um, you know, because for me, I see, like, I've, I've never done that. And I see writing as kind of a, it's not lonely, but it's definitely something that happens on, on your own. So I just find I would be really interested in talking to them about that. Okay. Are you already working on your next project? I am. Yeah. So my next book is also another YA novel and it will come out in spring 2022 from my same publisher that published Running and um, it's about a Caribbean American teen living in Central Florida actually and um, she is born with um, a hip condition called hip dysplasia which is something that I was born with and she's you know, has several surgeries throughout her life, and she's kind of navigating this feeling of feeling out of place, both in her body and um, because she's literally out of alignment, like her bones are, and also feeling out of alignment just outside of herself, because, like as an immigrant and struggling to, to know like where she belongs. Um, and she's doing that all in the summer where she's trying to try out to become a mermaid at a very famous central Florida mermaid attraction. And uh, so I'm very excited for that project. And that's, that's what I'm working on right now. Well, that sounds really interesting and I can't wait to read it. So does this mean that you are now 
a YA author exclusively, or are you going to go back to writing for adults at some point? Oh, I think I'm writing for adults still at some point. Yeah, actually, um, in in my ideal world, after I finish my mermaid book, um, I'll be I'll be working next on an adult book that I've been working on for actually on and off like ten years. Um, that takes place in Miami, actually. <laughs> so I'm in, in a very Florida place right now in my creation, uh, in my creative process. But yeah, I I always just you know for me this I I just love to write you know and it like whatever. Um, way the story manifests that's what I go by and so like I mean I've even I recently um, had my first poem published I've also published several essays that that um, you know have been published in anthologies or in upcoming anthologies like one is forthcoming in August another one's forthcoming in October Uh, so I just for me it's just always been about the writing and like what story are you trying to tell and what's the best way to tell it and so it's it's if it happens to be a young adult book, then I'm delighted, you know, and if it happens to be an essay, then I'm also like, great, that's what, that's what this particular story needs. Um, and, um, you know, for this particular book that I'm thinking of next, I mean, I, I know it's an adult book. So I just, I'm just embracing that journey of each story. Well, Natalia, where can listeners find you online? Yeah, so I, I my website is nataliasylvester.com. And I'm also on Twitter and on Instagram um, at Natalia Silv. So it's N-A-T-A-L-I-A-S-Y-L-V. And um, and then, yeah, and, you know, if you go to my website right now, there's um, a schedule of upcoming virtual events that I'm doing for running. So, you know, it'd be awesome if, you, if anybody listening wants to join for those because you can join from anywhere and they're free. Well, that does sound wonderful. Free is always good. Yeah. Natalia, again, (laughs) thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about your work. Yeah, thank you for having me, Marva. Please go to our website, readmorepodcast.com, to find out how you can win a free copy of Running. You can also follow us on Twitter at Read More Podcast and like us on Facebook. Join us again in two weeks for another edition of the show that brings readers and writers together. And we'll have Allison Wood on to talk about her memoir, Being Lolita. Until then, I'm Marva Hinton, reminding you to read more. <laughs>